You've tuned into the Dr. Lowe Show with naturopathic doctor, Dr. Lauren Noel, where you hear the best in natural medicine, nutrition, and mindset from the world's top doctors, authors, influencers, and Dr. Lowe herself. Trying just to pop a pill for a symptom? You've got the wrong exit. Seeking doable ways to live a happier, healthier life and have fun doing it? Welcome to the Dr. Lowe Show. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Dr. Low Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Noel. And by the time you are listening to this episode, I will be a new mama. I'm recording this prior to having my baby, but I will be in the uh, in the whole cloud world, you know, the dream world of having a newborn by the time you hear this episode. You guys can follow all my little updates over on Instagram. So I'm over at Dr. Underscore Low, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore L-O. So follow me over there. And um, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of funny saying this because I don't know what's coming, you know, in the future, but I guess none of us ever do, right? It's just a lesson of staying present. I was saying to a friend of mine that being pregnant is the ultimate lesson in being present because I really have no idea what's coming. And it's just, it's such an, a perfect, you know, um, just example of, of being able to just stay in the moment of exactly where we are, focusing on your breath and not getting too ahead of ourselves. Right. So I encourage all of you to do that. If you are finding yourself feeling anxious and you're thinking about the future, you know, you want to definitely listen to last week's episode. If you didn't hear it with Catherine Dixon, we talked about, um, just being in our power, our realm of power and not being outside of that. You know, if you're anxious, you're thinking about the future, which means you're in kind of God's realm of power. If you are anxious about what other people think about you, you are in their realm of power. You know, it's another way of thinking it is there's your business, God's business and other people's business. And it's all we really are responsible for is our realm of power. And pregnancy has been a perfect exercise for that for myself. So anyways, that's a side topic. I'm looking forward to this episode to share with you. Um, it's actually with someone I respect so much in the field of naturopathic medicine. We're talking with Dr. Joe Pizzorno and, um, you're going to get a lot out of this episode. I loved it so much that I had to have him as a guest on my golden eggs fertility course um, which is open for enrollment. So anyone who wants to work on your fertility, if this is something you've been thinking about for yourself and you just want to feel empowered and be able to really prime your body prior to conceiving, you want to definitely enroll in this course. There's literally nothing like it. And, um, so you can learn more over at goldeneggsfertility.com and it's geared towards women and couples who want to take on their reproductive health. Anyways, prior to jumping into this episode, I want to give some love to our show sponsors. And, and both of these companies can give some real um, support for kind of helping your body deal with fat loss, because that's what we're talking about today is environmental medicine and how toxins are getting in the way of your ability to burn fat and have the, the body that you want. And I'm always a little bit kind of what's the word? I'm, I'm tender about how I talk about fat loss because I think it's really glamorized in our, in our culture. But the truth is, is that when your body is a fat burning machine and you're able to use fat for energy, you're going to be more efficient and have more energy. And you're going to be also reducing the different kinds of, um, you know, diseases that are so common in our culture. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about using ketosis and ketones for, for burning fat. So it'll continue on this topic, but it's very appropriate that we talk about 
cleaning up your system and um, dealing with the toxins first before we, you know, fo- focus on burning fat. So, anyways, the first sponsor I want to talk about is Organifi. You guys know I absolutely love Organifi. So they have a product, their liver detox, that is fantastic. I've been using it for some of my patients. My boyfriend actually used it um, and absolutely loved it. So what I love about it is it has the different herbs that really help support phase one and phase two liver detoxification. So like artichoke, it has milk thistle, and also it helps your body poop better because if you're not going regularly, then you're going to be reabsorbing these different toxins, which is called triphala. So it really helps to support... um, uh, elimination of your bowels. So you want to grab that over at Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com. And at checkout, enter Dr. Low and you get 20% off that product. I would recommend to do it for at least two weeks. You can extend it and do it for a month. And there's a whole protocol that they have on that website. Also, what I am a big fan of using is cordyceps, mushrooms. So Cordyceps, one of the amazing things about this particular plant is not only is it safe in pregnancy and breastfeeding, but it is really powerful at helping your body deal with stress and deal with inflammation. So for a lot of you guys listening who you are good about what you eat, you know, you're exercising, you're doing all the things and you're not finding results when it comes to losing weight or burning fat, it really truly could be because of inflammation and stress. The more inflamed your body is, the more stressed you are, the more you're going to have certain proteins in your body that are elevated that are going to make it harder to lose weight. When you're under stress, your body thinks that you are in this state of fight or flight. So you're kind of in this emergency mode and your body is going to hold on to fat to protect you because fat is an amazing fuel source. So the more that you can help to kind of dampen that inflammation process, the more your body is going to go, I'm good. I'm not in this stressed out space. I can start to release this fat because I don't need it anymore because I actually have true energy at this point. So cordyceps is fantastic if you're finding yourself super stressed out, if you are feeling aches and pains and feeling inflammation, um, it's fantastic for that. There's a lot of research supporting the medicinal benefits of cordyceps. Research has shown that when human cells are exposed to cordyceps, there's special proteins that increase inflammation in the body that those become suppressed. So it kind of calms that whole inflammation response. So anyways, I love their cordyceps elixir. You just add a little bit to your water. You can add it to some hot tea or some coffee and, um, and just drink it down and it's fantastic. So you can get yours over at foursigmatic.com. That's F O U R S I G M A T I C.com and enter again, Dr. Low, super easy at checkout and you can get 15% off your cordyceps or anything else on their store. All right, guys, without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Dr. Joe Pizzorno. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. So I feel very honored to have my guest joining me for this recording. Um, Dr. Pizzorno is known in the naturopathic community as definitely one of the, you know, the trailblazers in our profession and very well respected and um, has a wealth of knowledge and experience. And we're just all really lucky to have him here. So a little bit about Dr. Pizzorno. So Dr. Joseph Pizzorno, he's a world leading authority on science-based natural medicine, a term he coined in 1978 as, a, as founding president of Bastyr University, a, a naturopathic physician, educator, researcher, and expert, an expert spokesman. He's editor-in-chief of PubMed indexed IMCS, or sorry, IMCJ, also treasurer of board at IFM. That's my dog in the background. <laughs> He's author um, or co-author of five textbooks, very busy guy, seven consumer books, 
you might know of some of them like Encyclopedia of Natural Medicine, The Toxin Solution. Um, for the textbook, he also he was one of the co-authors of the textbook of natural medicine, which is widely used, you know, among the naturopathic community and, and beyond. Um, as an intellectual, political, and academic leader in medicine for over four decades, he's been widely honored. And in February of 2018, he received the Leadership Award from the Integrative Health Symposium in October, the Visionary Award by the Academy of Integrative and Health, of, and Health Medicine. So lots of amazing accolades, but really what I love most about Dr. Perzono is just his love, his heart for promoting natural health, natural healing, educating people. Um, so it's so great to have you, Doc. Welcome to Dr. Low Radio. Well, thank you for the very kind introduction. And also thank you for your, wow, many years of helping educate people on how to be healthy. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it started as a hobby. And all of a sudden, I realized a lot of, a lot of people were listening. And it, it really just became this kind of selfish pleasure of having amazing guests like yourself come on the show. And I get to talk about these really cool topics. And um, it's just grown from there. So, you know, right. I love, I kind of love and hate technology. I hate it for, for many reasons, but I love it for this, this particular reason of just reaching millions of people and helping to spread the word. So, um, yeah, and this topic we're, we're going to be talking about environmental toxins. We've talked about a little bit on the show, but haven't too much in recent shows and increasingly important as a topic now more than ever. So let's dive into it. Why? Why are you even interested in this topic? You know, give us a little bit of background why this is something that you are, you know, talking about now. Well, thanks for that question. I think that's um, a good place to start. So, you know, as you, as a naturopathic doctor, of course, I've been aware of toxins as a component of ill health for a long time since I, since I first got involved in this medicine half a century ago. But we've done something different in the last half century. So in the past, when people were, having health problems, you know, I would typically look at, well, what nutritional deficiencies do they have and what lifestyle behaviors are they engaged in that might be overloading the body with toxins and how do we get those straightened out? And we got those straightened out, they got better. And these are what I would call the active determinants of health. In other words, the person's health was determined by their genetic susceptibility plus how they're living their lives. But okay. then it, things started changing. Um, and what we're starting to see is well, people may be act, engaged in active behaviors that are healthy for them. There are now passive actions happening in the environment that are unhealthy for people. And unless people are really, really aware of them and take pre-aggressive uh, actions to avoid the problems, we are all getting basically poisoned by our environment. Yeah. And when I say poison, I'm talking about metals and uh, chemicals in the environment that cause physiological damage to our bodies. Mm -hmm. So as I was looking at all these various factors, um, I first became aware of the heavy metals. And the reason I became aware of heavy metals is because I was in a corporate wellness program in Canada, and I was uh, looking at people working in the oil fields there. And so I was assuming working in the oil fields, they'll be uh, exposed to various kinds of toxins. So then I looked at what kinds of toxins I thought they would be exposed to in the oil fields. And one of them was mercury. But when I looked, while they were being exposed to mercury, it wasn't the form of mercury that's typically found in, in the oil, people work in the oil industry. Mm. Uh, I was also seeing a lot of other indirect measures of toxicity and had nothing to do with, their, with, with the work they were doing. Wow. So I started looking more deeply. I started realizing that they have a lot of chemical toxicity. And 
that chemical toxicity when I tracked it down turned out that about a third of the guys who were working in the oil fields were doing that to subsidize the family farms. Mm -hmm. I wow. said, oh, family farms. And then I started looking at what were they doing? Well, they were a standard family farm, and that is they were using the chemicals that you know, the herbicides and pesticides and synthetic fertilizers and all these things, and their bodies were showing the damage. Mm -hmm. Then I started looking more deeply into these and and I was immediately uh, struck by diabetes. So when I was first in practice way back in 1975, I was so excited when after one year in practice, I finally saw a diabetic patient. So statistically, wow. only about 1% of the population had diabetes. But now it's 15 or 20 times more common. Yeah. I mean, matter of fact, the current, as you know, the current um, projection is that, or prediction is that one third of people will get diabetes before they die. Mm. You know, this, this is a stunning increase in diabetes. So being aged by the doctor, first thing I did was to then go look at what well, sugar. Now many people are just consuming a lot more sugar and that's where getting this diabetes epidemic. Although in the back of my mind, I was wondering, could it be toxins? Yeah. So anyway, so I looked at, the, at, at sugar and well, I'm not, I want to be very clear, I'm not saying sugar is good for us. And it's true we eat more sugar now than we did in the past. The reality is that our peak sugar consumption actually peaked out about 30 years ago. Mm. So if the diabetes epidemic was due to sugar, it should have shown up way earlier than it did. Mm -hmm. So I started looking at, well, is there anything else that uh, correlates with this? And again, with the, with the environmental talks were back in my mind. So I started looking at, well, all these, all these pesticides and in particular, uh, the, what are called the halogenated uh, insecticides. These are basically organic compounds to which we add uh, chlorine or fluorine or bromine or things like that. So I looked at the chlorinated uh, pesticides, which are at that particular time were the most, I started really looking at this, were the most commonly looked, commonly being used. And I then decided to say, okay, if there's a problem, if you look at people in the top 20% of body load of these chlorinated pesticides and compare them to, to people with the bottom 20% of chlorinated pesticides, do they have more diabetes? And what I found was stunning. Those in the top 20% uh, of body load of these organochemical, uh, organic chemicals with these halogen, halogens in them, they had about 10 times more diabetes than those without them in their body. Wow. So, well, that's interesting. Are there any other um, elements or metals or chemicals that have that kind of correlation? And it turns out there are. So I started looking at um, PCBs, uh, polyaromatic hydrocarbons, uh, bisphenol A, uh, the phthalates, uh, um, uh, arsenic. Uh, I was just looking at all these various factors and lo and behold, the more of these things that were in people's bodies, the more diabetes they had. And it wasn't just diabetes. And they're also getting more obesity. And as a matter of fact, the researchers who have been looking at this are now calling these chemicals in the environment, these man-made chemicals, the new to nature chemicals, they're calling them obesogens and diabetogens because they so powerfully induce these diseases in people. Mm. So that's what I've been working on for um, the past oh, probably about 10 years is looking at the research on this and it is really worrisome. That's fascinating. And I'm sure people are listening are going, wow, that's, that's awful. And I'm, I'm sure I don't deal with those things, right? But let's talk about where some of these different sources are actually coming from, because it's a lot of common places that a lot of us are probably exposing ourselves to, right? So, so where are the people getting these different compounds? Ah, great question. So <laughs> uh, do you breathe? Do you drink water? Do you eat food? 
do you, do you put healthy beauty aids on your skin? Do you use chemicals to clean up your home or your uh, or your yard environment? In other words, they are everywhere. Mm -hmm. What I found particularly surprising is that even in people who you know try organically grown foods, they can still have a significant toxic load. They'll have a little less, but they're still significant. And here's here are the primary here are the worst ones. So number one, the um, the Centers for Disease Control has been looking at environmental toxins and they developed a list of which are the worst environmental toxins. Now they base the, that list, the prioritization of that list, based on how toxic it is, how common it is in people, how much disease it causes, but they also had a fourth factor, fourth factor, which is more for the policy issues, and that is how much of these things are in the toxic waste dumps. They help guide Congress as to where to spend money. So I looked at that list, and at the top of the list was arsenic. I said, well, whoa, why is arsenic at the top of that list? And the reason I asked that is because when I was doing this, this corporate wellness program in Canada, where I was looked at 4,500 oil field workers, I was testing them for heavy metals, but I wasn't testing them specifically for arsenic. Mm -hmm. So then I started looking at the research on arsenic, and I found research showing that as a person's arsenic levels increase, so does their diabetes. Fascinating. Not only, not only their diabetes, but pretty much every cancer, every, every one of the major cancers as well. Wow. So I said, well, that's interesting. So why would arsenic be causing diabetes? And it turns out arsenic poisons the pancreas. So the beta cells in the pancreas aren't as effective at producing insulin. Mm. Okay, so the next step then was, okay, um, how many people are exposed to arsenic at high enough levels to induce diabetes in them? And what I found was simply stunning. So it turns out that 10% of the public water supplies in the U.S., have arsenic levels at levels that are arsenic levels that are high enough to be known to induce disease in humans. Wow. So, oh, so it's even in people's water. And well, how about people who distill their water? You know, the really conscientious people like us, you can try to clean up their water supply. Yeah. Well, it turns out if you distill your water, that's fine. If you just put a carbon block filter on your water, no, it does not block the arsenic. Like a right. Brita filter wouldn't yeah, yeah it wouldn't but, touch it. Yeah, mm -hmm. arsenic goes right through it. So then I started looking at okay. So we know the water supplies are contaminated. Are there other sources of arsenic? And it turns out there are two very common sources of arsenic. Number one is rice. So mm -hmm. for some reason, if rice is grown in water that's contaminated with arsenic, it'll absorb the arsenic and bring it into us. So it turns out a number of different rices have arsenic in it. But the other big source was chicken. Mm -hmm. um, up until just recently, the USDA allowed the farmers to put arsenic into the food supply of the chickens and they have specific arsenic compounds that they were that approved, they were approved. And they've given the arsenic to both kill parasites in the chickens and to- um, Make them fat, uh, right? Pump them up, yeah, <laughs> pump them up. Yeah. Make them better. So I started to say, okay, we have all these arsenic. And we now have, we now have three significant sorts of arsenic. So at what level of arsenic in the body do you start seeing disease manifestations? Yeah. So I found this really cool study done in Italy where they looked at 20,000 people and followed them for 20 years. So these are my favorite kinds of studies, the prospector. Yeah. They looked at the population over a long period of time. So you got a pretty good idea of what, what something, how something could be damaging health. So after 20 years, they looked at um, the arsenic levels and they found that the people with the highest levels of arsenic had more diabetes, more, more of a wide range of cancers, more stroke, there's just a wide range of problems they're having, and they figure out what the threshold was. So how much of this stuff has to be in your body before you start showing disease? 
Then I looked at, there, there's, there are these national standards called NHANES that looks at the levels of various molecules in people's bodies. And NHANES is done every few years. So I then looked at NHANES and I looked at what percent of the population, according to NHANES, has arsenic levels above the threshold known to cause disease, 25% of the U.S. population. Wow. So we're not talking about rare problems. We're talking about something that is affecting a huge portion of the population. Right. If anybody's sick, you got to consider arsenic. Mm-hmm. This will probably blow you away. It sure blew me away when I learned it. One of the worst diseases with arsenic is gout. Mm. It turns out that 40% of women and 45% of men with gout is because of arsenic. Wow, that's and, wild. Yeah, it's and what's crazy about this is this is water, rice, and chicken, right? Yes. So it's like people who are trying to do things healthy. It's like I got my Brita filter. I'm doing chicken and rice, maybe some vegetables, and that's my you know, typical diet. And I could be, yet maybe I'm not able to lose weight because I'm getting all this arsenic. So how, are there certain kinds of chicken or rice that you, I mean, obviously if you get like a reverse osmosis, you're going to take care of the arsenic, right? Yes. But what about, what about chicken and rice sources? Is there a way to get healthier versions of those? Well, that's an extremely good question. And um, I, I suspect you're like me. I, I try to eat only organically grown foods. Yeah. So as I was discovering this problem with, with arsenic, uh, in rice, I went and then t- started talking to a number of the organic uh, rice uh, farmers. Yeah. I could not get a single one of them to tell me how much arsenic was in the rice. Mm. So, unfortunately, or- organic farming versus conventional farming, you know, organic farming is just so dramatically better. However, if there happens to be arsenic, and it primarily comes from natural sources, just in the rock, there's arsenic to arsify they're using, there's going to be arsenic in the rice. So the rice is probably going to be tough either way, but what about for chicken? Like if you're getting like a pasture-raised, organically fed chicken, is that probably going to be a better option? It's probably going to be a better option, but there are a number of caveats. Now, while it's no longer legal for them to use uh, arsenic in the food supply, um, a lot of farmers are still doing it. So they haven't really cracked down on it. So there's still a lot of arsenic in the chicken. And if the chickens are no longer being fed, um, you know, they're fed, fed it to them and they're, uh, food, there's still the contamination of the farms uh, in terms of the, uh, if, the, if the, it's like a, you know, they're going to have a wild chicken out there eating them in the grass and, you know, kind of yeah. roaming wildly. Well, if that soil has been contaminated with arsenic in the past, the arsenic will still be there. Mm-hmm. So, so do you, do you, you avoid chicken and rice or do you just try well, to get healthier options? I'm like, so should yeah. I stop eating those? <laughs> yeah. So you asked the right question. And the choice that I, and my wife, Laura have made is um, we've limited our rice consumption. Yeah. Uh, we don't limit it entirely because it turns out rice is one of those toxins we're actually very good at getting rid of. Uh-huh. So the half-life for getting rid of tox of arsenic is only about two to four days. Right. So as long as you don't eat it very often, you're okay. Mm-hmm. The problem is if you eat it every day, that's when you run into trouble. Right. So if it's gotcha. in our supply, you're eating rice, eating chicken every day, you're going to have arsenic toxicity. There's no mm-hmm. way around. You know, I, I, um, I, I'm a, a freak about water quality now. And I, I actually, a little bit about me, I have a baby coming. I'm 26 huh? weeks along. So, you know, of course, That's it's really great. stepped up the importance of me looking at all these things. I just had a whole house water filter put in, um, you know, from Aquasana. And then I have uh, reverse osmosis on the, on the sink, you know, for right. drinking water. And so, um, and for you guys, I, I posted a little bit about some on my Instagram stories, but I'll probably do an episode more about 
what led me to choosing this company because I definitely did some research. But but I just was curious about the the water, and I I did a whole water test through Doctor's Data, and sure enough, I had arsenic in the water. Oh. And I don't know if on the because the environmental working group, you guys listening, you can go on uh, ewg.org/tapwater, and you can check and see how the water is in your area based on your zip code. So I did that and I don't even know if arsenic came up, but when I actually did the test, I had arsenic showing up in the water. So, so it's real, you know, and I'm really, I'm glad that I did the test, but you guys can do a home test, check your water and look into this stuff and do not assume that just because you have a Brita filter or something that claims to be great. You know, I had a whole headache working with Culligan, um, getting a whole house water filter and had all kinds of promises of what it was going to filter out. And you just don't know. So, you know, you just can't assume you have to look into this stuff for yourself. But it's fascinating. Well said. Yeah. Yeah. So arsenic is one. Where, where were the other toxins the CDC had, uh, had picked as the worst toxins? Yeah. So the next ones they looked at were the, the, the heavy metals. That's where mm -hmm. we look at cadmium and uh, mercury, lead uh, being quite, quite problematic. And then number seven, I think, was, sorry, this was uh, arsenic, uh, mercury, lead, and cadmium were the, were the four big ones. There were, there were mm -hmm. four of the top seven. Mm -hmm. so, okay. so it was really the metals. <laughs> now, the, the, when we started looking at the chemicals, uh, one of the real big surprises was the phthalates. Mm. So the phthalates is another example of what, what, what could be called a non-persistent pollutant. That means the body can get, can get rid of it uh, within within days okay so it's not it's a non-persistent pollutant so phthalates is, was another big one so uh actually uh phthalates and polyaromatic hydrocarbons were number one and two in terms of the frequency of causing diabetes and then arsenic was number three so the phthalates as you know are chemicals are uh, added to plastics to keep them soft and they're also added to the health of beauty aids to act mm -hmm. as solvents for the for the fragrances that are in health of beauty aids so the more health and beauty aids a person uses, the more phthalates that go into the body. What the phthalates do is they bind to the insulin receptor sites on the surface of the cells. So when, this, when the, the you know, blood sugar levels go up and we know you get, need to get sugar into the cells, we secrete insulin to get sugar into the cells. Well, if we can't get sugar into the cells with the normal amount of insulin, our poor pancreas has to overproduce insulin in order to get sugar into the cells. Mm -hmm. So the good news is that keeps us alive. The bad news is that when you mistreat the pancreas for 20 or 30 years like that, having to force it to overproduce insulin, it burns out and mm -hmm. now you've got diabetes. Wow. So with the phthalates, uh, if you're eating canned food, if you're eating food that's packaged in plastics, particularly if it's oily, uh, if you're, um, oh, if you have a cotton, a, a, a plastic shower curtain and hot water hits it and you smell the plastic while well, you're smelling the phthalates going into your body. Mm -hmm. Put on standard health and beauty aids, uh, they're hugely effective at getting phthalates into our bodies. Yeah. One of the studies I quote in my lectures is I show a study of young men uh, who were uh, put on a period where they kind of washed out the phthalates. And then they gave them and they measured what their phthalate levels were. And by not using any health and beauty aids, they actually had very, very low phthalate levels. And then they added cologne and then aftershave and then lotion. And basically with every additional health and beauty aid they added, their phthalates went, went up. So when they got to people using six health, uh, health and beauty aids a day, they had 400 times, not 400%, 400 times as much phthalates in the body as somebody who wasn't using any of these health and beauty aids. Whoa. Yeah, so the, so the good news is that this is one of those controllable factors. The bad news is that there are a lot of these 
bad factors out there causing right. damage. Yeah, you know, when you really look under the hood and see all these different exposures that you're having day to day from when morning you wake, the moment you wake up until you go to sleep, it can be very daunting. Like I'm sure a lot of you guys listening are going, oh my gosh, it's everywhere. You know, it's like so overwhelming, but you just chip away at it little by little. I mean, I'm, you know, more than a decade. Gosh, I mean, when did I first get into natural health in my probably mid 20s? And now I'm, you know, mid to late 30s. So so it's, it's taken over a decade to get this stuff all chipped away at. And, and, you know, I'm even still going through and cleaning up some of the cosmetics that I use because I get, I get, you know, uh, the, you know, shiny object syndrome and want to get the newest thing that, cause it's very enticing to buy certain beauty products, but the flashy, beautiful labels and stuff, they don't, they're not going to say, by the way, this has a chemical that may, may make it really hard for you to lose weight and could lead to diabetes. Like you have to be a smart consumer and, um, you know, and just chip away at it little by little, but that's fascinating that, you know, 400 times higher with these different products. It's not just a little bit. It's like, this is really, really high. Yes. So yeah. something I've been doing, uh, and again, very well said. So something I did is, uh, about three years ago, in one of my editorials, I, um, went through and looked at the eight most common toxins I could find. And then simply looked at, okay, if you look at people with top 20% of body load of the toxin, compare the bottom 20% of body load of the toxin, what diseases do you see? And I was stunned by what I found. It was, there was so much disease where a substantial portion of the population was above the threshold known to cause that disease. So I got together with a couple of really bright Bastyr, Bastyr University graduates, you know, some of my past students, and asked them to help me answer the question, if we can determine how much a particular toxin increases the risk of a disease in a population, determine what that threshold is, and determine what portion of the population above that threshold, can we figure out what percent of the disease is due to that environmental toxin? So we have spent uh, about three years just laboriously going through the research and spent a lot of money on, on my, out of my own pocket, money on getting these numbers. And what I found was the whole diabetes epidemic is due to environmental toxins. Now, you'll, you know, if I'm sure you, like most of your listeners, is going to be saying, well, wait a minute, everybody knows diabetes is due, to, is due to obesity. And it is indeed true. Obese people have way more diabetes. But here's the stunner. Obese people who have the bottom 10% of body load of environmental toxins have no increased risk for diabetes. You hear what I just said? Mm. Obese people get way more diabetes unless they're not toxic, at which point they don't get more diabetes. So in many ways, the obesity is an indirect measure of body load of toxins because the toxins cause obesity, not just diabetes. So you're saying you can, you can be like a healthy overweight versus being yeah. an overweight with all these toxins, and that's going to make you more prone for diabetes, right? Exactly. That's wow. Exactly. That's fascinating. That's really, that's really cool to hear. You know, I have a lot of friends who are different. Um, you know, body positive bloggers and really promote, you know, healthy at, at every size. And I, I really love hearing that. You can be a bigger frame person, maybe a little more padding, and you can have, you can really be quite healthy versus having just all of these different toxins that are, you know, loading up in your system and, and your physiology is off. It's affecting how your blood sugar balances and your risk for disease ultimately. So, um, Really, very, very fascinating. So, so the main places people are getting these phthalates, you said plastics, like shower curtains, like, like in uh, plastic that's wrapping up our food, right? Or if you're, let's say you go and get something to go from a restaurant, 
you know, you're getting like a hot soup or a curry or something like in a plastic container. I mean, are all these things going to have phthalates? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. All these things have phthalates in them. Or like plastic water bottles. But, but like you go to Costco and get, you know, the big, huge thing of all these little plastic bottles, right? Yeah. They're all going to have phthalates. Yeah, or, or yeah. bisphenol A. Right. Uh, but I, I, I'm not ready to say this definitively, but it appears that the most common source of phthalates are the health abuse kits. Mm-hmm. Wow. Fascinating. So, you know, I've talked about on the show before, skindeep.org, you can go there and enter different products you're using and they'll give you a score from zero to 10. I always say to have like a three or below. Is that site also looking at phthalates too on your products? You know, I haven't looked at that particular okay. site, but I can't say. Okay, got it. Do you know if there's any particular brands that you really like? So the, there are a number of brands out there now that are indeed avoiding the, uh, these, many of these chemicals. The mm-hmm. one we use is, is made by the Honest Company. Mm-hmm. So all our household cleaning agents, our soaps and shampoos, et cetera, these awesome. are all that. And, you know, and there's a point I want to make with this, and I'm glad we're having this conversation uh, because I haven't had the opportunity to say this before in a public setting. So I've been studying this a lot, and I've been focusing more and more on what are called the persistent organic pollutants. So these are things like the DDT and the PCBs, things like this, that have incredibly long half-lives and have a lot of disease, disease association. So for example, if you look at the half-life of DDT in the body, and this is in humans, by the way, it's not animal research, this is real human data. The, the half-life is two to 10 years. Wow. And if you look at the polyclonated biphenyls or the PCBs, Half-life is three to 25 years. So once these things get in the body, they're really hard to get rid of. So I've been focusing almost entirely on those. Mm-hmm. But as I was looking at the research, I kind of stepped, stepped back uh, a couple months ago and looked at the research again. And I was noticing that, for example, with diabetes, most of the worst toxins are what are called the non-persistent chemicals. In other words, these are chemicals the body can get rid of within the days if you just stop being exposed to them. Mm, wow. And and more and more I was noticing, and I just made this, I have this high, little hypothesis right now. So everything I've said to you so far is based on hard research, like quoting studies. Yeah. I, have, I have a hypothesis. So my wife, Laura, and I have been really, really good at cleaning our house up as much as possible. You know, whole house, carbon block filter, uh, we, we, we um, and a precipitator for the metals. We grow a lot of our own food organically, all these only healthy chemicals in our house, and uh, all our storage containers are glass. I mean, we've just we've done everything we can think of to decrease our toxicity, and we're both pretty healthy. Yeah. But because I'm on the road a lot lecturing, I notice that when I'm on the road lecturing, I just get tired and tired and tired. I've always thought, well, you know, stress and inadequate sleep and, you know, living in hotel rooms. But then I started thinking to myself, well, wait a minute. I'm getting acute exposure to everyday toxins. Right. And may these toxins... Are, are detoxified by what are called inducible enzymes in the liver. So these enzymes take energy for the liver to produce. So if you don't need them, the liver doesn't produce them. And they take a couple of days to induce. So I'm on the road. I'm actually in a more susceptible state to environmental toxins because I haven't induced those enzymes because I don't need to waste energy on them. And I notice that when I'm on the road, I get tired. I'm starting to think, well, maybe it's because when I'm on the road, I'm getting acute exposure to these toxins. They're damaging my body. So the last trip on the road, it was only a three-day trip. I decided this time I was going to rigorously avoid all the environmental toxins I could. I brought, brought my own soap. I, I brought my, all my organic food, et cetera, et cetera. And I was not near as damaged on the road as I normally am. Wow. So I'm That's starting to really think, cool. when I, I usually tell people, you got to work at this for a while before you feel better. 
I'm now starting to say, you give me two weeks of just avoiding the toxins, you're going to feel better within mm -hmm. about a week. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, you know, I travel a ton too. And, and one of the, the most recent changes I've been making while traveling is actually traveling with my own oils. Uh -huh. I find that when I'm, when I'm traveling, you know, I can get a salad, I can get chicken added. Well, no, maybe I'll do turkey now. <laughs> I can get a protein added to it. But, but, you know, there's never great dressings when you go to restaurants. It's always going to be something that has like soybean oil, canola oil, something like that. So I've been bringing my own olive oil and using that or coconut oil or whatever. And that really has made a big difference in how I feel. But, but yeah, you just learn all these little ways. But the fats, I mean, that's where the most of the toxins are going to be in the foods, right? So having like the healthy yes. fats is especially important when you travel. Yes. Yeah. All, all, all that, all, all the above, very important. So you talk about, um, so the main problems that these toxins are tied to, obesity, diabetes, cancer, strokes, are, the, are these kind of the main conditions that we're seeing with toxin exposures? Are there other, other specific ones that, um, you know, that you're finding also? Oh, yes. Virtually, virtually all the chronic diseases. Um, I can just go through one by one. It's like talk about uh, osteoporosis, for example. Well, there's a study done here in Seattle where at Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center, where they were looking at osteoporosis in perimenopausal women. And they're seeing more than they're expecting. And so they're trying to track down where it was and they tested them for metals and chemicals. They saw a fair amount of cadmium in people. And they tracked down to what percent of the people with the osteoporosis was due to cadmium. And they said 20% of osteoporosis in women was due to cadmium. Because cadmium poisons the, the um, osteoblasts in the bone that are responsible for building up bone. Wow. And then they tracked down to where was the, was the cabin coming from. You want to make a wild guess? Mm, mm, gosh. I don't want to put you on the spot. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, well, virtually nobody um, comes up with the right answer. Maybe from soy? I don't know. Oh, my God. You're the first person who got it right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Soy, go me. Soy, <laughs> yes. Soy grown with high phosphate fertilizers have higher levels of cadmium in them because wow. high phosphate fertilizers are typically contaminated with cadmium. Well, what's crazy is that these ladies yeah. are using soy to help with their hot flashes, but it's leading yeah. to the process. Oh. Yeah, we, are, we, are we are telling these women uh, to, you know, perimenopausal women, hey, use soy because it really decreases your symptoms. Yeah. And we them cadmium if they're not eating organically grown, organically grown soy. Uh, wow. Uh, That's wild. Yeah. That's really crazy. So, so making this um, relatable to most people listening, what would be maybe some symptoms that people could actually feel day to day that could be a clue that perhaps they're getting, you know, some, some exposure to toxins that they need to be looking at? So the, the answer I want to give you is, are you in the prime of your life between the age of 18 to 65? So part of your life, you survived the childhood illnesses, you're not old and decrepit. Um, do you feel healthy? You, you should not have any disease. And you might say, well, I, I, it grunts my family. It's genetic. Less than 20%, probably more like 15% of diseases due to genetics. All the rest is nutrition and, and toxins. Right. So if it runs in your family, well, you're probably eating the same thing that your mother fed you when you were a child. So people tend to eat the same thing. And so they set themselves up for disease. Mm -hmm. So I would assert if you have chronic disease, unless there's a really good reason for it, you have toxins. And yeah. there's, there's just no other way around it. Right. Yeah. And like you said, when you travel, you just don't feel so good. And the change you made was, was cleaning up 
you know, the things you're exposed to on the road and the food you're eating and you felt better. So, you know, energy, energy crashes. And I see blood sugar problems all the time in my practice when I'm doing testing. And, you know, I, I talk to my patients about toxins, but I can definitely step up more of that as a focus, especially after having this conversation. It's just, you know, I just wonder how much of it is not that they're, you know, skipping meals, but they're eating foods that are probably quite toxic. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, it's, it's time for us to, you know, kind of get back to the basics of what, what does it mean to be healthy? What do you have to do to be healthy? The, the old timers, the old time nature paths, they were right on. They, they, saw, yeah. they saw what was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, eat real food, avoid toxins, get exercise. It's for, our bodies have this incredible ability to heal if we just give them a chance. And the only way to give the body chances, you got to stop putting toxins in and you've got you've got you've got to get the nutrition in yeah so making this also another step of being practical for people what what can people do at home to reduce their exposure because you know i really like you can't control what you're going to breathe when you leave the house unless you live in a pristine clean area which is great but most of us you know live somewhat near cities and but at home i think you know making it to where your home is as low as possible on all these toxins is really where the main focus should be first and foremost so so besides like the whole you know the home water filter any other tips for how we can really improve our home exposures yes um, again great great question and i think the there are many things people can do i'll just go through and tell you what i think are the priorities cool. number 1 without question eat organically grown foods mm-hmm. okay and the reason I say that is twofold. Number one is organically grown foods have way less toxins than conventional grown foods. And there's a study done here in Seattle that compared kids eating organically grown food versus kids eating conventional grown foods. Kids eating conventional grown foods had nine times higher levels of organophosphate pesticides. And organophosphate pesticides are newer toxins, mm. resulting in lower IQ in children and increase in ADHD in children. Okay. But the other part of it is, if you look at the foods of commerce, look at the trace mineral content, it has dropped 50 to 75% in the last 50 years. So even the whole foods and vegetables we're supposed to be eating, if they're conventionally grown, they no longer have the nutrients in it for our body to work properly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So gotta be organically grown foods. Number one, number two, health and beauty aids. Number three, the, um, the water, purify all the water in your house. And number four, if get a whole house um, filter, mm-hmm. at least a MERV 8 rating, I prefer MERV 16. So our furnace failed about a year and a half ago. And so we decided to get to add way to get a new furnace. And we decided to spend an extra money to get a MERV 16 filter. It was about $1,500. So it was a big investment on our part. Mm-hmm. And we're now a year and a half later. And we have, we've noticed a couple of things. Number one was we were stunned by how bad, how the filter f- filled up with toxins. Uh, it's supposed to be, it's supposed to have been good for a year. Uh, the disposable part, we had to dispose of within nine months because it's already saturated. Wow. So you know, this black gunk kind of pretty terrible. But then we started noticing, then we, we, it was time for our annual maintenance for our refrigerator. And so every year we open up the top of the refrigerator, we vacuum out the coils because it's filled with dust. So we went to do it again this year, there was no dust in the Whoa. coil. And then we started noticing, you know, our windowsills aren't dusty anymore. So what we're seeing is in the past, our lungs we have, have to clear out that stuff. And that stuff is full of what's called PAHs, or polyaromatic hydrocarbons. And it turns out the polyaromatic hydrocarbons are one of the worst causes of disease. They're in the top 10 in the, uh, in the um, CDC's evaluation of toxins. But as I look at toxins, um, they're in my top seven. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, so those are four things you do right there. Organic foods, uh, good health and beauty aids, clean up your water supply. You want to do the whole house, not just what you're drinking, because when you're in the hot shower and you're breathing the air in the hot shower, it's releasing the organic compounds in the showers, in the water. So you're breathing that in. And it's the most efficient way to get toxins in your body is to breathe it in. Mm-hmm. So clean up that whole house, not just what's in the kitchen, is really important. And then if you can do the air filter as well, that's really good. If you can't do it for a whole house, at least do it in the bedroom where you tend to spend most of your time. Got it. Now, um, do you have a favorite brand for the, the, the water filters for the house? I'm not ready to say that at this point. Okay, so still collecting data, <laughs> looking right, at, yeah. yeah. What about air filters? I want to be objective about it. Yeah, the, the, so the one that we're using is it's a Lennox uh, MERV 16 filter. And okay. I'm, I, I am so impressed by what, by what we've seen so far. Cool, that's for the air filter, Lennox. Yeah. Yep, okay, wonderful. I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of other good ones out there, but that's one we've used that we've been so pleased with the results. Yeah, and um, I, so for you guys listening, I did an aqua sauna home filter and then a reverse osmosis for the sink. And I'm, I'm pretty happy and I, you know, I did it on the Black Friday special. So I got a nice little deal and, um, and then I'll put a, a link in the show notes for you guys too. But that's definitely one that I recommend as of now. Um, I think if you, um, I own the house, so I can do that. If you, if you're renting, I think a Berkey filter is a good option. Um, if you can get, you know, a, a reverse osmosis somehow up above the sink, um, it's a really great place to start. So, um, but definitely something beyond the Brita filter for sure. I mean, Brita is better than nothing, but again, you're going to have to be the filter if you don't have something that's working a little better than that. Right. And yes. our bodies have enough to, to deal with. So um, super helpful. This is really, really helpful information. Um, right. Yeah. What else about this? Should we, should I ask you? Um, I mean, I think this is very, you know, very helpful information for people. Any other little hacks or tips or things you're, uh, you're excited about in this, this arena? Yes. I, <laughs> I'm feeling very, very philosophical these days. Okay? <laughs> I love it. Me too. <laughs> you know, the reason being that you know, I've been involved in medicine now for half a century. Yeah. So I've had the chance to see what's happened in my life um, as well as what's happened in the research literature. And the research literature is very, very clear. The data on uh, toxins causing disease is so strong now that non diarrhea book for consumers called The Toxin Solution but uh, this past year, I had a new textbook come out with my director, Dr. Walter Crinion, called Clinical Environmental Medicine that I wrote for the doctors. So, that, so the research is clear, and good news is we can do something about it. But there's also the personal experience. And the personal experience is we're now noticing that family and friends in our age group who did not take care of themselves, they're all dying. <laughs> I just, yeah. It's so scary. We're seeing our friends dying. They're not dying. They've got major disease. And if they don't have major disease, they're kind of done with life. And yeah. Laura and I are just still full speed ahead. We're motorcycle touring all over the world. We're just working, you know, we work, we work 40, 50 hours a week consistently, and we're just cranking along way past when most people retire and many people are simply dead. Yeah. Very. Mm-hmm. No, it really, it, it increases the longevity for sure, but just like the quality of your life, just to feel better throughout your life. I mean, yeah, people are living longer, but are they truly living or are they just right. surviving longer? <laughs> well, but I think what you just said needs more attention from people. Yeah. You know, everybody says, oh, well, yeah, we're living longer. Thank you, modern medicine. It, that's actually misleading. Yeah. Okay? Because the reason we live longer from birth is because 100 years ago, 
wonderful public health, clean up the food and water supply, so babies stop dying from infectious disease. Mm -hmm. If you look at people age 65, what's happened to their longevity over the last 100 years? It's gone yeah. up like, like three and a half years in over 100 years. And that three and a half years is spent debilitated in a nursing home, uh, not able to recognize your children and suffering a severe burden of heavy degenerative disease. Right. We, yeah. Our society is in really serious trouble right now. Yes. Yes, it's true. Yeah, I'm so grateful to know this stuff with the baby on the way. And yes. I mean, ugh, I just feel like I feel like I have a duty to raise this little superhuman because we need, you know, conscious, awake people who are doing things differently and thinking outside the box. And yeah, I, I know I can get very philosophical, too. <laughs> well, let me go further with that. What you're doing is critically important. Mm -hmm. So some of the scariest research I've seen um, is looking at the IQ of children born to women in the top. 10% of body load organophosphate pesticides compared to children born to women in the bottom 10%. And after you iron out all the socioeconomic differences, so you look at you know, gender, race, uh, financial background, et cetera, wipe those all out with statistics, the children born to women with high levels of organophosphate pesticides have seven point lower IQ. Wow. Now, three studies have all shown exactly the same thing. Once they followed these children for seven more years, they never got their IQ back. So what's wow. happened is in utero, as the fetus is developing, if those neurotoxins are there, the brain does not develop normally. And we are basically dumbing down our society because we're making everybody dumber. Yeah. It's just terrible what's going on. Yeah. We're making sheeples, not people, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I love all this so much. Um, so guys definitely take take these tips and apply them, you know, eat organically, go through your beauty products get a clean water filter and, you know, try to get your air filters changed to where you end up being healthier at home. You can handle what's happening outside the home better. And then what about, um, I guess last question is around detoxing. So, you know, what are your, what's your take on that? Once you, cause obviously we have these things in our system, decreasing the exposure is going to massively improve it. But what about to help clean kind of the damage that's happened so far? You know, thanks for asking that question. And the reason I'm saying thank you is because I'm extremely concerned about many of the detox programs on the marketplace. Mm -hmm. So while I think people instinctively understand the idea of detoxing, I mean, anybody who's been in college and got drunk uh, the next morning mm -hmm. knows all about toxicity, pretty right. obvious, okay? So everybody, I want to do this detox program or that detox program. I want to say as clearly as I can, we are exposed to so many environmental toxins so regularly that our detox systems are overloaded and maxed out. Before you go on a detox program, you must prepare your body to get rid of the toxins. Yes. So my, in my book, The Toxin Solution, I show people a nine-week program. So for two weeks, I show people how to avoid the toxins, you know, the food, the water, the air, all those things. Then we spend two weeks cleaning up the gut, then two weeks clean up the liver, then two weeks clean up the kidneys. I didn't have to have to clean up the kidneys before, but now the kidneys are, are overloaded as well. And once this is all in place, then we can start the detox program. And I talk about a one-week really intense detox program that can extend as long as people want. But you don't do detox until you've gotten rid of the toxin, until you've got your toxin elimination systems, what the initial pass called the monkturies. Mm -hmm. You got to get the monkturies working properly because if they're not, you'll just make yourself sicker. Yes. Oh, I love that you said this. I have patients when they come in and you know, I'll say, what's your, you know, what brings you in? What are your goals? 
And when they say, I just, I want to, I want to detoxify. I want to do a, a detox program. And I always say, hold on, pump your brakes. Let's look at this and make sure you're in a place where you can, because sometimes people can get a lot sicker when they just go right into detoxing if they're really not ready for it. So I, I love that you said that. Um, a lot of us just really need recharging, restoring, getting our nutrients to a higher level, and then we can actually handle something like a detox. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So important. I love it. So, all right, your book is The Toxin Solution. Anything currently that you're working on or anything on the horizon for you? <laughs> <laughs> Many things. <laughs> you know me. There's a lot on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I'm, um, I'm helping my wife, Laura, get a book published because she's become quite an expert on bone health. Ooh, have, right on. We have all these women who she's been giving advice to. We're talking about hundreds of women she's been giving advice to that are getting their bones back. And it's a combination of the right nutrients and getting rid of the toxins. So mm -hmm. that's the next thing I think is really important is getting Laura's book published. Well, uh -huh. once, once that comes around, we'll have to have you back and we can have her on and talk about all of that. That would be great. Yeah. Sounds right cool. on. Okay, so people could pick up your book where on Amazon or where oh, yeah. are you sending people? All, all standard places. On awesome. Amazon. Love it. Well, I so appreciate your time and generosity and um, any parting words for our listeners and we'll let you let you go. Yes, our bodies have tremendous ability for health. We're always striving towards health and we have to help the body strive towards health and stop sabotaging it. Yeah. And if we're eating foods without nutrients in them and we're exposing ourselves to environmental toxins, we are basically disabling our body's ability to produce health. Mm -hmm. Yes, and we're, we're designed to be superhuman, right? So give, give yourself the, the, the tools to make that happen and let your, your cape fly high, everybody. Yes. <laughs> thanks, for thanks for being on the show, Doc, and um, we'll, we'll talk to you real soon. I appreciate the invitation. Take care. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Dr. Low Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. And for more after the show, you can head over to drlowshow.com where you can find the show notes. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share with all your friends. And please head over to iTunes and leave the show a five-star review and leave a comment. I read each and every one and they warm my heart. Thank you so much again for joining us. I promise to keep bringing you fun, inspiring, empowering content. Until next time, lots of love, and I'll talk to you soon.